and welcome. This is Candace. And this is David. Thank you for joining us today for our episode of Where Math Happens. This podcast is designed specifically for you, the math educator. We are passionate about serving and inspiring teachers, and it brings us joy to see people at their best. On today's episode, we will be discussing modeling and tools in mathematics. We like to start every episode with a problem. We call this problem the problem of the podcast, AKA the pop. Uh, Are you ready to do a couple problems with me, Candace? I always love doing math, David. Okay, first problem, here we go. Molly has a quarter, two nickels, and a dime. How much money does she have? Okay, quarter's 25, two nickels is 10, and then a dime is 10, so 45 cents. You figured that out pretty quick. It was easy. It was easy. (laughs) All right. So that was your first task. Okay. Here's your next task. I'm ready. Molly, once again, Molly has six coins in her piggy bank. She has more than 85 cents, but she has less than $1.10. What coins could she possibly have? Not as quick and easy as the first one. Okay. (laughs) six coins it can go up to a dollar ten so i can do four quarters that will give me a dollar and that's four coins and if i did two nickels that puts me right at a dollar ten but it has to be less than a dollar ten right yeah yeah good observation so a nickel and a penny so that would give me a dollar six does that follow the rule? Molly had six coins? Yeah. Okay. Was it more than 85 cents? Yes. Was it less than a dollar ten cents? It is. But now I want to do more. So there's, <laughs> there's, so there's more than one way. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So this came up in a, a, a class I was uh, working in the other day where just changing the, the task itself just make, makes it a richer problem. And it's those, those open-ended types of questions that really allows students to explore those math ideas. So I just thought that'd be something cool to share today. I like it. And another thing I like about this is that anybody can do that with any of the problems they have when they're teaching. Like if they just take a minute and they maybe look at the answer, think about what their goal is, they can turn almost any problem into that open-ended. Absolutely. But I do like how you added, not just she has six coins, how much money could she have? You still put parameters, which made a little richer. Yeah, and I think the students like these types of tasks. It's almost like um, like a game or a mystery, and especially yeah. when there's more than one way. And if I had students who maybe didn't know a lot of their money, like they could literally have that entry point. That mm-hmm. Those open tasks allow access for all students. Absolutely. This problem and its solutions and any activity suggestions that we have can be found at rpdp.net under resources, math, and podcast. Today's topic, we, we said was going to be on modeling and tools. And uh, I remember the other day when you and I were planning this, mm-hmm. uh, a quote came to mind. And it was, it was this old Chinese proverb. And I think Benjamin Franklin had a version of it too, but I'm going to read the, the Chinese proverb version to you. Okay. And it says, tell me 
and I forget. Show me and I remember, but involve me and I understand. And that really made me think about what we were going to talk about today. What, what were your thoughts on that? I, I will tell you that last sentence is like a real game changer for me. I know I was really good about the tell me mm-hmm. and the show me. And it reminds me of when you hear, well, I taught it, but they didn't learn it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but involving them in the mathematics, involving them, that's when they understand it. Yeah. And it's like, wow, how often do I involve my students in Just thinking in about the mathematics. Those, those teaching practices and being engaged in all of that. They're probably begging for that. Absolutely. Um, So what is mathematical modeling? So when we're talking about this, David, I kind of want us to have that same definition in our head, right? Okay. So one um, definition that I have that just screamed out at me when I read it was from learning math to doing math. Mm, I like that. And that really connects to that quote you just said, right? So when we're talking about how do they we get them involved, we have them do the math. Yes. They're doing it. Also that mathematical modeling, it's a process. It's not one thing, Sure. right? It is a process where students and teachers, they're moving between these real world scenarios and mathematical representation mm-hmm. of those scenarios to be a proficient problem solver. Absolutely. I love it. So this conversation is really making me think about those math practices and how to, yeah. how this connects. And um, these math practices are just habits of mind and, and these best practices that we use in the classroom. And mm-hmm. the first math practice I think of is math practice four, which is model with mathematics. Yeah. And, you know, the first sentence of the math practice four, it says mathematical, mathematically proficient students can apply mathematics they know to solve problems arising in everyday life, society, and the workplace. Mm -hmm. So that is that connection, that real life. Why am I going to use this model? I'm going to use it to solve a real world problem. Yeah, what's the purpose of it for sure? Exactly. And it also states that students will be able to apply what they know to clarify math concepts. So why aren't you get that question all the time? Why am I learning this? What am I going to do? Right? So they will apply what they know to clarify those math concepts and then to simplify them. It's a helpful tool. Yeah. To make it easier. Another math practice that comes to mind is that math practice five use appropriate tools strategically. Yeah. This is, this is one of my favorite parts of my job is just working with those models and tools and, Allowing students to use tools, it just really enhances their mathematical power. It's like it assists them as they're performing these tasks. And I read a I read a book called Making Sense, and we'll share more information about that later. But in this book, a couple of quotes that really have always stood out with me, and I carry them with me um, as, a, as a project facilitator, is that um, tools can be used to think with. And I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about, imagine if I give students access to these tools, it it allows them to think about the concepts better, right? Mm -hmm. And then another one was tools can make difficult thoughts easier to manage. 
And I really think about those students who get stuck maybe when we're just throwing up equations or formulas or something. And all of a sudden I maybe show them a model or a tool where they can see it or touch it and it makes those difficult thoughts easier to manage. Absolutely. And that's connected to what I said with the math practice four, right? Where it simplifies those math problems, yeah, making thing. it easier. Um, another thing that I think of when I think about the tools is that tools actually come in three different categories. So okay. we have our physical tools, yeah. like manipulatives, mm -hmm. your base 10 blocks. So your, many, yeah, lots yeah, of different ones. Lots of sure. different ones. And then your cognitive tools, okay. which might be estimation, approximation, mm, yeah. could be a graphic organizer. Yeah, I see that. So those type, right? Those and, are critical tools. Mm -hmm. And then your tech, tech, I can't say that word, David. Technological. Thank you. Tools, <laughs> tools, like your calculator, your spreadsheets, yeah. tools that students use, going back to what you said, to help them think. Absolutely. I guess the choices they make, which tools are they going to use? Those, what'd you say? Those physical tools, those mm -hmm. cognitive tools, or those technological tools. I, I really like that. Using, choosing the ones that work best for them. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's great. So Candace, there's this instructional approach that really connects to both of these math practices we've just been talking about. And it's called CRA, concrete representational abstract. I've heard of this before, but can you go in deeper? Cause I hear it thrown around sometimes, but I've never fully understood. Yeah. I think about it all the time, depending on which grade level I'm working with, but um, it's just these different stages of learning and whether it's in mathematics or not, but since we're talking about math, let's just keep it on that topic for now. But there's that first stage is that concrete stage. And it's like the opportunity for the students to do the math at the concrete stage with those those manipulatives we were talking about. Like the quote, involve me. Yes. That's where they're involved. Yeah, really important stage, critical stage. And then there's this next stage as, as you've had lots of work with these concrete hands-on materials, we want to transition towards a, a representational stage where now you can just see the math, but you still have this understanding of the concept because you did the math earlier. Kind of like those cognitive tools we were talking about before, right? Yeah, that, those go hand in hand, the representation, and that cognitive piece. So those are those are definitely hand in hand. Um, and then that final stage is abstract, which is like kind of the goal for us, you know, to get students to that symbolic mathematics, those those algorithms and those those procedures, but they'll come prepared with understanding of how to use those. And I know in middle school they tend to jump straight to abstract. And it's kind of nice for in these upper grades that we realize where they should should have gone yeah. or come from or where we can go back to. And if we were to like take a close look at, you know, whatever grade level that we're in, I, for example, in kindergarten, if we were to look at the kindergarten standards that we're teaching, um, you would find that the word objects is in those Nevada academic content standards or that common core. The word objects is in the kindergarten standards like 25 times. Wow. So I feel like the message there isn't like a suggestion to use objects. I feel like they're telling you like this is a critical stage for learners as they're learning how to count and add and subtract in those early grades. But as you go through the rest of grades K through five, there's this just developmental process of transitioning from concrete to representational and other terms come up in other grades where it just says a visual model, like a number line. 
or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, at, at one point, you want to get to the abstract, which is those numbers of symbols and those equations. Have you seen this in middle school? I have. You know, I was going through the sixth through eighth in the ratios and proportions domain. Okay. And they had a lot of visual representation. So jumping to the representation part, right? The yeah. graphs, the tables, the diagrams, and then going to the abstract, looking at the equations of slope and consonant proportionality, mm. or looking at proportional relationships using those symbolic mathematics to do that. Sure. And all those tools and models help give them access to that stage, I think. Absolutely. But I want to encourage our upper grade teachers to don't forget about the concrete part that doing mathematics, that's how we're going to get them to buy in to be able to get to that symbolic part. Yeah. And this isn't just for mathematicians in the classroom. I mean, this is like a real world idea, CRA. I think of like, for example, air conditioning repair person. If okay. They were, if they were to come to our house in August and it's 127 degrees outside, our air conditioner broke. I hope that air conditioning repair man or woman has actually touched a real air conditioner before. Not Absolutely. Just, not just saw a picture of it and read about it. I mean, that would be ridiculous, right? And we don't want to do that in the math classroom. Or how about um, a brain surgeon? As they're going to school and learning about how to work with the brain, do they use any concrete materials? I hope so, but I don't want to talk about what those may be. <laughs> yeah. But think about how critical that would be. Instead of just seeing a picture of it or read about it, those final two stages, I think there's something so important about working at that first stage, that doing stage, that concrete stage. And so it goes with all, it lends itself to all areas, not just in mathematics. I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, well, you know, we've been discussing about models and tools, the meaning of models to make sure we were all on the same page, mm -hmm. making that connection to the standards for mathematical practice and yeah. even exploring this instructional approach. But I know a lot of teachers, they're going straight to the meat and potatoes and they want to know why is this important? Sure. What are the benefits of using models and tools in my classroom? Valid question. And one of the most important ones for me is that because students are doing mathematics, remember, it goes from learning mathematics to doing mathematics, mm -hmm. is that it increases their engagement and their conceptual understanding. Oh, for sure. I can definitely see that. And I think it also just provides access for all learners to be successful, regardless of the stage that they're in. If they have access to those models and tools we've been talking about, I think it can make them all successful. And that reminds me of the the pop, the problem of the podcast that yeah. you came, how that had access for all. And if they had some tools or models to help them, if they weren't sure, sure. on where to start at. Um, it also helps develop that positive disposition towards mathematics. Students actually want to do mathematics and they're excited to come to math class. Sure. I mean, imagine having these, these tools and these models and access to them and understanding. I think it'll just make you feel empowered. And you'll see yourself as a true uh, doer of mathematics. Exactly. Um, I have a quote here that I feel like kind of sums up the benefits. Here we go. Okay. So um, modeling promotes a classroom where students can see the intersection between their lives and their mathematical work. And through these experiences, they can see mathematics as accessible 
and part of their world. I like that. And I got that from a book called Becoming a Teacher of Mathematical Modeling. I like that. Those experiences are important. And they need those experiences in the classroom. Yes. So in, in closing on today's uh, topic, Candice, I wanted to share a story I'd heard from a guest speaker at a conference regarding chocolate. Mm. Yeah, right? You got my <laughs> attention. Yeah. And so think about chocolate, but also think about it in regards to like, for the students, like math is their chocolate. Okay. So she said, I could tell you everything about chocolate and how amazing it is. And you would just have to believe me. So I've never had chocolate before. So I'm just going to believe you. Okay. Because you said so. And I might even to really sell it to you. I might even show you some pictures of it, right? Just show you them what chocolate looks like. And once again, you would just have to believe me how great chocolate is. Mm -hmm. But then she said, imagine the power of actually giving somebody a piece of chocolate and letting them experience it for themselves. That's when they would truly understand what chocolate is. So that brings us back to our quote, right? Yeah, so tell me, show me, involve, involve me. me. And it makes me think about what we were talking about today with math. So that, that math, that's their chocolate. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. And they need those models and tools Absolutely. to really understand chocolate. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right, David, it is time for math is not a joke. All right. Or it. is it? You ready? <laughs> I love so we're going to close with our joke here. How do you keep warm in a cold room? Okay. How do I keep warm in a cold room? A hoodie. <laughs> yeah, that would work. That would work. But I have something even more simple. Okay. You're going to go to the corner. What? Because it's always 90 degrees. Ah, that's good. I like that. That's so good. I like that. <laughs> okay, as we wrap things up, um, Candace and I had just really tossed us around the idea of just continuing this conversation on, on our next episode. So mm -hmm. we're going to continue to dig a little deeper and just continue the conversation on uh, the use of models and tools in the classroom. Um, some things we might talk about would be um, how, how to implement modeling in the classroom. What does that look like? Um, how do these tasks help students? Are they helpful? Um, the use of models, the use of tools um, to allow these students to become you know, successful mathematicians and to also be access successful on those, those assessments, I guess, back. Yeah. And then I think we'll go more in depth on some examples, specific examples of models and tools, you know, K-12 and some suggested activities and tasks that we can really dive into and look at to see what this looks like in the classroom. Yeah, I'm really excited to go more in depth. It was just too much for one episode. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about those and maybe a couple of other things. Me too. So I wanna remind you, or we wanna remind you that professional development is always at the forefront of our PDP. And to go to our website and check out our workshops, classes, conferences, and resources. And that's at rpdp.net. Join us each time as we offer professional learning through humor and conversations focused on math content, pedagogy, student performance, and best practices that result in success for all. And David and all of you out there, just remember wherever you are, math happens. Take care, everyone.